0: Awesome, you can grab your seat, church. No pressure there, Pastor Jen. Hope I preach a word that speaks to where you're at. Hope I've got it right. And if I don't, maybe it's a word out of season that you can pigeonhole for later that maybe you could use at a later time. That's how I save myself if it's a, a dud message. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd love it if you could turn to Matthew chapter 24, verse 10 encourage you to uh, perhaps open the UVersion Bible app if you've got a, a smartphone and you can access today's message notes and scriptures today. It's a good way. it's a good tool that you can stay up to date. Matthew chapter 24 verse 10, just to give you a little bit of context. we're only going to read one verse this morning. A little bit of context. Jesus' disciples are asking him, what are the end times going to be like? What's the end of the age going to look like Jesus? And so Jesus begins to talk about wars. And rumors of wars, he starts to talk about famines, there's going to be a shortage of food, maybe a shortage of lettuce, who knows. Um, He starts to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. And then he says this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. He says, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Yeah, that's what he says. I've got it written twice, he will hate one another. And he will hate one another. Jesus is talking about end times. Wars, rumours of wars, earthquakes, famines, and people will be offended. We live in 2022, and I'm not sure whether you've noticed or recognised that everybody today is offended with something. Everybody is offended with everybody. I mean, you can't walk out your front door without offending someone or being offended. Some years ago, I participated in uh, the Movember campaign, which is a campaign for men's health regarding a prostate cancer. And in the month of November, men grow mustaches and uh, raise money to uh, awareness around finding a cure for prostate cancer. A great cause, would you not say? And so I participated in this and I began to grow uh, a moustache, much to my wife's displeasure. And uh, over a period of some weeks, I started to manicure this thing and and it actually started to grow some nice little handlebars. And um, a a lot of my facial hair has a red tinge to it. And so towards the end of the campaign, I took a selfie, which I don't do very often. I uh, took a selfie... (laughs) And I posted it online, this was some years ago, and the caption that I put on uh, the selfie was, this is my moustache, I have called it Elmo, (laughs) because it's red and fluffy. Now I thought that was quite a witty statement, I thought that was, you know, quite, that, that would capture the audience and, you know, would get at least 23 likes. And what happened was, and we're talking about offense and holding grudges, what happened, what what came through the pipes of social media was a person uh, who who, who I'd met once or twice, they they used to attend this church, they no longer attend this church, thank God, Um, that's not true, that's not true. But their comment on the post was, isn't this guy supposed to be a pastor and he's making fun of a people? Everybody is easily, first first of all, first of all, I didn't realise redheads were a people. No one told me, no one told me that they were a tribe. Second of all, I'm a ginger ninja myself. Thank you. I could have taken offence to that, but you know what, I moved past it. Christians, Christians and the church, we are the worst, at being offended, which, which is a little strange and a little ironic when you consider that our whole faith is centered around a person who dropped every offense that was committed against him. And the offense doesn't just come from outside sources. It doesn't just come from random people that we meet once or twice. Sometimes it can come from the ones closest to you, family and friends. Two weeks ago, I was uh, out in... Uh, at a, a local park, and it was a freezing cold morning, and uh, I was helping out with a, a holiday clinic for kids in, in the school holidays, and I, I took a photo and, and sent it to some of my friends just to demonstrate how cold it was, and I put the temperature on there, and uh, what came back was, uh, hey, Jared, is it snowing there? And it it took me a little while to capture what they were trying to say, but they weren't actually talking about the participation, they weren't talking about the sleep, they were actually talking about a little grey streak that I've started to develop in my red hair. Is it snowing out there? The audacity of friends. We were looking at some, some old photos as a family around dinner a couple of days ago. And, uh, you know, we were going back a couple of years. And as uh, uh, one particular photo came up, my daughter said, wow, Dad, you used to be skinny. <laughs> bless the little children. We bless them, Lord. You know, science is, is now showing that people who hold offences and grudges have a significantly less lifespan. Holding a grudge, holding an offence, it affects your whole, whole well-being, whole attitude. And What's intriguing about Matthew 24 verse 10, the Greek translation for this word offence that Jesus uses is scandalon which actually translated in that context of that verse, means trap. So what Jesus is essentially saying is, in the last days, people will be trapped in a fence. Have you ever had to use a mouse trap in your house? I probably just offended some person because they you know, don't want to kill animals. Here's the thing. The mouse has no idea it's a trap. If the mouse knew or if the mice knew that it was a, a trap, they would no longer be enticed to the cheese. And so when we know, when we can acknowledge that offense is a trap, it stops being a trap for us and simply becomes a challenge. It's a trap. And no one, no one is exempt from offense. It can happen anytime anywhere, any place. You can get offended by that person maybe taking your order at the restaurant and they're talking to you like a kid. You can get offended by the person talking to your kid. You can get offended by your spouse acting like a kid. I want to share just a few thoughts around a message that I have called the age of outrage. The age of of outrage. Jesus is talking about end times and he's talking about how people will hold offence against one another and they will hold grudges. What do we do with offence as a church? What do we do with offence as Christians and followers of Jesus? Here's a few practical handles on how we can deal with offence. The good news is the Bible is actually really quite explicit and clear in its instruction on how to deal with offence. It's not grey in any way, shape, or form. Here's the first thing. Here's the first thing that we need to do when it comes to offense. Release it rapidly. Release it rapidly. Recently I was watching uh, the, the morning news, and, and uh, they, were, they were covering the story of a protest around a, a fairly complex social issue. And uh, amongst the protest, one of the protesters handed the reporter who was live on the scene a sign that was offensive to my faith. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. When I saw the sign, I was like, man, that offends me, Jesus, And I stewed on it as I, as I made my way to work and, and I felt it about lunchtime, it, it, it just started to, how could someone in, in their profession who were meant to hold an impartial view on things, how could, they, how could they have that much bias towards that particular view? And you know what I felt the Holy Spirit say to me right there in that moment, let it go. Let it go. Because the origins of offense usually start from something small. It could be a comment, it could be a conversation. It could be an unmet expectation. It could be an unexpressed expectation that you have of someone. And from, from that point, the, the, the small origins of an offense, we nurse it and we rehearse it. Does anyone else have shower conversations? And you go over that thing over and over and over and you nurse that thing and you re- I can't believe they did that. And then the nursing and the rehearsing, it makes small things become big things. And all of a sudden, offense goes from, uh, to anger, to resentment, to bitterness, to unforgiveness, and it finishes with hate. Isn't it bizarre that as Christians and followers of Jesus, we, can be, we, 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 we love Jesus, but we harbor hate? Don't you think that's strange? That we profess that we love Jesus and we follow Jesus, and yet we harbor hate in our hearts. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, he says, if you're at the altar, if you're in church and you're ready to give to God and you have an epiphany and you remember that you're holding a grudge against someone, drop what you're doing and go and get reconciled with your brother or that person. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, on, on the external, you can be doing all the right things. But on the inside, your heart could be full of hate. You know, we, as a church, we sing beautiful worship songs. And, and, and no one would know in, in, that, in that beautiful time that we have at the start of our service, you know, we're, we're declaring that He's our way maker and, and, and we're praising Jesus. No one would know in that moment what's going, because what's coming out of our words is the external, but what's going on the inside is what God is concerned with. You are here, mending every heart, except my spouse, they're a jerk. Oh, that, that was a purely illustration example. What's going on in our heart, friends? Start small and can evolve to something big. You know what, you can't control others' other people's words or actions towards you, but here's what you can do. You can choose to release it. You can choose to release it rapidly. You know, when a sporting player goes down on the field, like New South Wales did on Wednesday night, anyone thankful that we live in the greatest state in the nation? I mean, praise God that order has been restored. But when a sporting player goes down on a field, they are classified and categorized as hurt. The moment that player is then stretched off, they go from being hurt to being injured. The next couple of days and the next couple of weeks, they then go from being hurt to injured to recovering. Then they go from hurt to injured to recovering to return to play. Yet here's my question. How many Christians in church do we still have on the field claiming that they're hurt, not willing to get on the stretcher? I'm not here to diminish anyone's pain. I know that the crucible of life can be cold and callous and really, really difficult. I'm not here to make light of your issues. It's complex and it's real. And you weren't responsible for the hurt. But let me tell you what you are responsible for releasing it. Let me tell you what you are responsible for your healing. Jesus didn't die so that we could be victims. Jesus died so that we could be victors. Releasing it rapidly is all to do with timing. My wife and I, we are a work in project. We are are, are a work in process. Our marriage is a work in process. We're still trying to figure it out. And I think we both represent two categories of people when it comes to offense. I myself personally am no mystery. pregnant pause. Everybody always knows what I am thinking. I have the worst poker face. People can generally tell whether Jared's having a good day or a bad day. I am no mystery. Whereas my wife, she's a little different. And so sometimes we might go out for dinner or we might go out for coffee. And my expectation is it's going to be a good night out. It's going to be a date. And so we get to the cafe and we get to the restaurant and we sit down and, you know, I'm, I'm ready for a good time with my wife. And, and she says, we need to talk. She said, you know, in 2015, <laughs> on a Tuesday night, when you said this, we're different people. Neither of our responses are, because I mean, my response is usually I'm just quite emotional. I have outbursts. And, I'm, and once I've said my 30 seconds of download vent, like I can move on, I'm ready to go. So neither of our responses are correct. And that's why I say that we are a work in process. Release it rapidly. The best time to forgive someone is right after the offense. My goal in life, as I continue to journey with Jesus, is I want to be able to forgive someone before they apologize. I want to be able to forgive someone before they apologize. You might be like, come on, Jared, that's ridiculous. Why not? We're quick to be offended. We're quick to gossip. We're quick to to go silent. We're quick to isolate ourselves. Why don't we take all that emotional energy and play a you-know-reverse card and turn it into something positive? And I want to be quick to forgive. Instead, we say things like, well, I'll forgive them when they say sorry. Where did we get that teaching from? Not Jesus. Not Jesus. That's not Jesus' teaching. And you know what that says about you when you say something like, well, I'll forgive them when they apologize. You know what that says? It says that you think forgiveness is about justice. Forgiveness is about freedom. Forgiveness is actually about releasing you. Forgiveness is not a denial that the issue or the hurt or the offense did not happen. That's not what I'm saying. I understand that you're offended, but let me ask you the question Do you want justice or do you want freedom? Forgiveness sets the prisoner free because the prisoner is you. The the grudge and the offense that you and I hold on to tells us something. Tells us something about how we see God. It says we don't trust God. God, I've got to hold on to this. I've got to make sure that this person knows because clearly God can't grow them in their life. And so I want that person to know that they hurt me. Can we not trust God that God will work with that person and deal with those person's issues and all I need to do is just release it rapidly? Jesus is our ultimate example for forgiveness, church. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Really, Jesus? I reckon they kind of did know what they were doing. They sure know where to put the nails, They knew where to put the crown on your head. When they held the insults and the abuse and they spat at you, they sure knew what they were doing then. And and you're saying, they don't know what they're doing. He released it rapidly. Forgiveness brings the healing to you. You know, often when when we start talking about end times, which is where we're camped at Matthew chapter 24, we we associate the word revival with end times. They usually are interchangeable in church circles. And we talk about end times, we talk about revival, we talk about revival, we talk about end times. And often what we talk about when it comes to revival in churches, we talk about signs, miracles, and wonders. Where are they, pastor? Maybe the greatest sign and maybe the greatest wonder to our world is to be a church that chooses to release it rapidly. I think that would be a great miraculous sign and wonder to a world that a church chooses to let it go, chooses to forgive quickly. Because offense won't let you go, you have to let it go. Offense won't let you go, you have to let it go, you have to release it rapidly. How do I know? How do I know, pastor, if I've released it rapidly? Here's four things that I think are indicators whether you've genuinely and authentically released it rapidly. First one, you genuinely want them to win. There's no resentment towards them. You want them to win in life. Number two, you can celebrate their wins. I mean, when did the church, when did Christians become the kind of people that we wished harm on people to prove a point? See, you reap what you sow. I saw that coming. The way that they were living their life. Like sometimes our prayers are geared towards wishing harm. When did the church, when did Christians become like that? Get them, God, so I can prove my theology right. I just don't know whether that's the tone that Jesus would use. Number two, how do we know whether we've, sorry, number three, how do we know whether we've released it rapidly? You can pray for them. Hello. You can pray for them. Not against them, but for them. God, bring them favor. Bless them, God. Bless their family. And you don't do it through gritted teeth or a clenched fist. Bless them. Bring them favor. That's how you know whether you've released the offense and the grudge. Number four, you can talk about the issue or the person without criticism, skepticism, or cynicism. You can talk about the wound, you can talk about the hurt with emotional control. I don't know whether you've actually talked to someone who is still offended and wounded. Talk to them for like six seconds and you know something's up. You know that there's been a seed of bitterness that has, has germinated in their life and has taken a root of bitterness and you could be talking about something completely unrelated and then all of a sudden they bring it back to that person. Well, you know this person. You all know what that they've done. Nope. So when we can talk about the issue, the person without criticism, skepticism or cynicism. If I could have the team back. This is where we'll land it. Like I said, the Bible is is really clear around its instruction with offense and forgiveness. It says this in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 to 25. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Verse 25. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Hang on, hang on. We're talking about offenses and now we're talking about moving mountains. What are you talking about? How does any of this connect? How does any of this make sense? Jesus says, you know what? Pray your bold, faith-filled, powerful prayers. Pray them. Pray that you can move mountains. Pray that you can change the world. But if you're harboring hate, if you're holding a grudge, if you're offended, stop praying and go and fix it. Go and resolve it. As, as, As churches, we love preaching about Verses 22, 23, 24. Go and change your world. Pray bold prayers. Have faith. Jesus has gone before you. He's our way maker, and we should declare that. But so often we omit the last part. Jesus says if you want to change the world, you've got to be unchained from your offenses. The size and the scope of what God wants to do in your life is directly proportionate to the offences that you are prepared to release. Some of you think, why why do I, it feels like I'm just hitting my head up against a brick wall. Time and time, I I, I find my relationships are always failing. They're toxic. What's going on? Maybe it's about releasing the offence and releasing The grudge, God. I want I want to change the world, I want to do something for you. Great, unchain yourself from the offenses and the grudges. This is what I felt God say. When we're talking about end times and the end of the age, this is what I believe he would say. You want to see me move in the super? Be obedient in the natural. You want to see God move? You wanna see God move in the city? You wanna see God move in our nation? Then be obedient in the natural. Pick up the phone Monday morning. Call that person. Have a coffee with them. Write them a letter. Do whatever you need to do. Hear me. If you do not deal with offences and grudges, It'll destroy you. And I don't use those words lightly. It will destroy you. You will become so toxic, so venomous, so poisonous with your words. And you'll wonder why everyone else avoids you. I'll tell you why. Because you've let the root of bitterness deep in your heart. It'll destroy you, friend. Sadly, I've got people very close to me I talked to them literally in, in, in the first five minutes and they're bringing up stuff from decades ago. God is always moving forward. Come on, we, we, gotta, we gotta leave. I'm not saying what, what happened back there was, was right. And you probably do deserve an apology, but you're not gonna get it. So are you gonna stay in that prison or can you release yourself and, and move forward with your life? Because God's got stuff for you, friend. You wanna see God move in the super? Be obedient in the natural church. That's that's, that's what I believe that he would wanna say when we're talking about end times, end of the age, deal with your offenses. Come on, why don't we stand? I pray that we would be a church, civic church where we would not be quick to be offended. In fact, our senior pastor often uses the term that we would be unoffendable. Instead of being quick to be offended, we're quick to forgive. We don't even wait for the apology. We're not not out for justice. We're not out for revenge. We're not out to square the ledger. That's not grace. That's not the gospel. God didn't wait for you to square the ledger in your life. Bible says in Romans chapter 5, He said that whilst we were still sinners, He didn't wait for you to apologize. He didn't wait, nor should we. He's our example, amen. Heavenly Father. God, I pray right now for, for people this morning, here in the room, listening online, listening at a later date, God, maybe they've been hurt so bad, wounded so deep. God, first and foremost, we know that you see the hurt. We know that you see the pain. You are not removed from that reality. You're in touch with our reality. And so I pray right now, comfort those people. bring peace and God only in your timing God I pray that those wounds would become scars scars of your healing power scars of your restoration God, I pray for people here that are dealing with offences, grudges. It could be in workplaces. It could be in marriages. It could be in, in, in families, in homes, friendship circles. It could even be in the church. God, I pray right now through your Holy Spirit that you would lead us to release it rapidly. We would see it for what it is. It's a trap. It's a trap that'll destroy us. And so God, as hard as it is, we release it. We trust you. The thing about releasing it, church, is maybe you, you do it right now in this moment. Come on, whatever it is, release it. Guess what? Probably when you wake up Monday morning, it's gonna be there again. We have to get into a continual habit and practice of releasing the hurts. It's great to have faith, but we have to exercise our faith and exercising our faith is choosing to release it. God, we hand it over. God, let, let us as followers of Jesus, let us be a, a testimony, not of our own goodness, but of how good You are because You first forgave us. And because we have received Your forgiveness, we can also give Forgiveness to others. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I pray that's helped maybe at least one person today. I honestly believe that when we can learn to release our offences and grudges, man, it'll change your world. It'll change your life. Offences and hurts and wounds will come. There'll be some tomorrow. I pray that you were reminded of Jesus' words in Scripture today. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.